My name is Josh Alvarez. And I am Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> and you're listening to episode 94 of Cinephones. I love that you still laugh at my radio voice. Like you're still, you're still funny. I dude, I love your radio voice. I've thought about using my radio voice all of the time. <laughs> How would you Yo, feel? Voice actor jobs. Get at my man's over here. How would you? He's f- got raw talent, baby. How would you feel, my friend Joshua, if I just use this voice <laughs> in everyday conversation? Uh, that's how I read all your texts that you send me every day. So, that, you know, that's weird. You're like movie phone. That's weird because most of my texts are just pictures of my balls <laughs> that I send to you, not to normal people, but just to you. <laughs> I'm saying, man, there's a soundtrack to everything, bro. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you, it's always like, yo, look at my balls. You'll pro- like, hey. you're probably white. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, welcome to uh, this exciting episode. We are discussing two films from controversial uh, gadfly. Uh, uh, I don't know what the other terms are for someone who upsets people. I don't know. My brain just died. Yeah. Uh, Gasper, no. Uh, love him or hate him. I, I can tell you right now, one of us really hates him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if hates the word that I would use for me, but I'll tell you what, man. Oh, man, once we get into it, I got some things to say. I'm, That's I'm awesome. sure you do. I'm sure you do. So hopefully you will stick around for that awesome conversation. Uh, before we jump into that, I just want to say, hey, Josh, I missed you, buddy. How you been? I've been good, man. I miss you too, Liam. I feel like I just haven't even spoken to you since February 11th. It, it has been kind of on and off. I mean, I think... Um, First of all, you've gotten to see all the good movies, so fuck you. Uh, I did. I did see a few. Uh, I did see a few. And I'm, you know, and I've just been waiting at my computer for your brilliantly written reviews to come pouring in, so that I can edit them and get them up. Oh my goodness! Here's the thing, man. <laughs> Dude, we'll get into it on whacking on track, but man, I had a time. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure Josh will talk more about it in a little bit here. Uh, Josh has been on this incredible diet program you've lost what is it 22 pounds 25 pounds something like that 28 28 pounds yeah at final week weighing of five weeks i am down now 28 pounds when when are you finished with this pro- program with this program the the plan is if i get down to like 240 pounds uh which right as of today as of this morning i'm at 251 so the plan is at 240 i promised my brother i would sign up to go to his brazilian jiu-jitsu school and start wrestling crazy brazilians in jiu-jitsu style (laughs) learning how to be a practitioner like that's the thing right like if you're a hardcore dude and you have tattoos and you turn 40 you either become a barber or a brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner right i was gonna say more i was gonna say muay thai but yes Muay Thai, Muay Thai, big up to Andrew Welbrock, bass oh, yeah, player from Cross yeah. Keys. But um, yeah, man, I you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, here's the thing, Liam, this is what happened. And listening public, this is what it is. If you've been if you've been following my journey, uh, my beautiful wife Melani wanted to go on a plan to lose some weight. And um our cousin, who's a doctor, uh, our cousin Christy, she was like, Yo, I got this plan that's pretty awesome and it's really effective. You guys should totally get in on this thing. And we did. And uh, rather than let Melani go through like the diet and then I stay flagrant and fat, I was just like, you know what? It'd be better if we just did this together. So I joined in with Melani and we both are like down like a bunch of pounds right now. So Melani's down uh, like she's down almost 30 as well. So it's like we each have lost three Georges. 
<laughs> That's crazy. So, I got yeah, yeah, I got yeah, yeah. I got to tell you something here, Josh. And this is Go something ahead. you should know. And I'm not saying this because it's upsetting, but it's a little upsetting. I currently weigh 240 pounds. That's so sick. Yeah, I'm joining you, baby. Here I come. Buddy, how tall are you? I am 5'11". I am 5'7". Not really. I just say that so I sound taller. And I weigh 240 (laughs) pounds. So just to give you all an idea, pretty soon, Josh is going to be the hot one. And I'm going to be the little meatball that people are like, what's up with that guy? Josh is going to... You'll still be the hot one in my mind, I'll just want you to know. He'll be rolling me into events. And playing me like a basketball, he'll be bouncing me and 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 dunking me because he'll be so svelte he'll be able to dunk now. I mean, here's the thing, man. It's been it's it's been a journey. It's been a struggle. I went to uh, three movies this week and had nary not one kernel of popcorn the entire time, <sighs> wow. nor one sip of any diet soda or soda in general. It's just been coffee and water for the past five weeks, and. Uh, Look, man, I quit smoking. I used to smoke a pack a day for 10 years, for an entire decade. And then just one day, again, because of Melani, I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit because I want to have as much time on this planet with my wife, whom I love. So then I quit. And September 15, 2009 will be the 10-year anniversary of me having done that. It was harder to to kick cigarettes than other patients that I have have had a time kicking heroin. They're like, oh, man, I'm done heroin, but... Yo, these cigarettes got to stay. I can't quit these. I quit smoking effectively. Quitting food, however, way harder. Well, you Just can't, saying. but that's because you can't quit it, right? You have to yeah, figure out a way to, to do it in a healthy, intelligent way. And that's actually hard, especially in a world that wants to sell you all the bullshit ever that's going to actually not be good for you. Yeah, man. And especially in a world wherein I've cultivated defense mechanisms against emotional traumas. With ice cream and cake and shit, you know what I mean? Like, I mean that is, dude, that is true. You you are the softer skin of the two of us. I would say it's true, man. It's true. Like, but I mean, you know, it's just rough now because, like, for yep. this past month and a week, work has been insane. You know what I mean? Like, just heartbreaking stuff every single day, and then people wanting to kick my head in every single day, and uh, I've managed it without the use of my favorite tool that being food so you know it's it's it the funny thing about it is that it's expressed itself in different ways in that aspect ratio is now on fire cross keys has just finished uh we're we're on the path to recording our new lp so like i've been writing like a maniac for uh for that stuff just getting all my lyrics together and then just uh promoting for our screening on the 18th on march 18th of starfish with uh Director A.T. White in, uh, in attendance. I've been working on that, just getting the word out on that and hitting the streets. You know, just been doing stuff because I can't eat food. I'm saying, man, you know, your boy's been on a mission. Sure. So, yeah, that's what it is, man. I've, just been, I've been working on this, and it's been a whole lot of rewiring. <laughs> well, Josh, uh, I'm really glad that you feel comfortable telling us about your uh, weight loss journey. <laughs> seeing the posts, seeing the posts have made me really proud of you. Thank uh, you, man. And and they and really just appreciate you. Uh, you know what else I appreciate? This is the worst transition ever. <laughs> it's so good, dude. I I saw it coming a mile away, and I still am smiling. 
I appreciate all of those people who support us on Patreon. Uh, I know we've gotten some, <laughs> we've gotten a few new supporters recently. Wow! And normally, normally I would uh, call you out by name and say thank you, but uh, to be quite honest, I don't have it up in front of me, and my computer's being weird, and I don't want to make my computer screw up. So uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead and say thank you. And the next episode, I will uh, remember to specifically thank you by name. Um, as usual, I promise we're going to have content. If you are worried about the fact that we don't have content, uh, Josh's Twitter handle is at PogiFatBoy. Yes. Go ahead and tweet at him and say, hey, Josh, where's our exclusive Patreon content? Because <laughs> I blame him for it. It's I all just... my fault, ladies and gentlemen. It's me. It's me. I, I, I take I'm... that. I mean, I just I just blame Josh because I do so much else stuff that if I blame myself, I'm just going to stress out. Yeah, I'm already doing no, too much. Someone there, has to be in there's charge. There's no point that for you to stress out on this stuff, man. You know what, though? Yeah. Here's the thing. And uh, yeah. I, I know that, you know, we, we say thank you to our Patreon uh, subscribers every month or every week or whatever, every episode. And um, that shit comes from the heart. But also, I really would like to just say how much I appreciate the fact that people even take time to support us in this way because there's so much stuff out there. That is awesome and deserve, deserving of everybody's love and support and all that stuff. And you took some of your time to support us and to love us. And that is totally beyond my scope of comprehension. So thank you so much to every single one of uh, our subscribers and just people that tweet about us and people that talk to us and interact with us. Um, it really does make my heart feel good. You know, because sometimes, you know, Liam, I, sometimes, I don't know how to read, but there are days when I definitely feel like I'm just talking to dead air. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just talking to Liam, and we're just going to have our funny conversation, and no one's going to know. But it feels as though people are paying attention these days, and I really do appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate every one of you who listens. I feel I feel that a lot. I, I, I don't know. We don't really talk about it much on here, but I definitely struggle a lot with insecurity and and uh, you know specifically with cinepunks it's a lot of work and it's not always clear if people appreciate it or not and so right. when people go out of their way to let us know that they appreciate it it feels really good personally i'd probably do it anyway and i, I know that's just <laughs> something people say uh but i probably would just because I, I do enjoy it but it is hard sometimes when when it's when it is a lot of work sometimes it's not a lot of work but a lot yeah. of times it is it's hard sometimes to do that if you feel like people aren't paying attention or that and people we don't gotten... care you know and then like to yeah. see the support coming up in actual like yeah things like just numbers and stuff it it really does like make you feel like wow you know what maybe we are doing the thing correctly you know We'll see. We'll see. And and as always, we really do welcome your feedback. Let us know what you what you're thinking about what we're doing, what you think we could do better or different. And uh, if you're a new listener, because a lot of people have heard this pitch before, but if you're a new listener and you think you could contribute uh, something to us, whether that's editing. Uh, whether that's writing, whether that's being our social media guru, because right now we all suck at it and it's really <laughs> annoying. Um, whatever it is, feel free to shoot us an email, cinepunks at gmail.com. We'd love to know uh, how you would like to be a part of this community, uh, you know, uh, with the idea that if you have something to contribute. Sometimes people hit me up and the way they want to be a part is just like for me to know that they exist. And like, <laughs> cool, I, I acknowledge that you exist and I'm really glad that you like the show. Uh, but you know we we need actual help to run the thing. So if you if you if you don't want to do anything, that's okay. You can just listen to the show, and that's enough. You don't have to you don't have to volunteer and then be like, oh wait, no, I can't actually do anything. <laughs> uh, we also want to thank our sponsors, LVAC. Uh, they have been really great to us, and they've printed a lot of our merch. They helped me out when I started Rough Cut uh, Tees. 
and uh, you know they've really uh, they've been a supporter for, for, us. for two of my bands now. Hoping yeah. to do uh, maybe a third or fourth soon. So you know, yeah. what's up, Chris? Ooh. Just saying. Ooh. Just saying. Ooh, a fourth, huh? I, I like hearing about that. Oh man, um, <laughs> number four is gonna blow your ears off your face. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's but a so... two man. Okay, we'll get into it. Sorry. Well, no, yeah, let's not do that right now. Right. Let's just say <laughs> xlvacx.com. They're a screen printer. You go to them because you want a bunch of stuff, whether that's shirts, sweatpants, posters, hood- hoodies, jackets, posters, uh, LPs. They can screen print LPs for you. And sneakers. Sne- I don't can know. Can they, they do, do that? Sneakers. I don't know. I just said it because I, I thought it would be funny to have a screen printed sneaker. Anyway, uh, they're great. You should check them out. XLVACX.com. Don't let the X's fool you. Chris Reject is not straight edge. Okay. Now, now, Josh, yeah. is the time for our world famous, our renowned, our exclusive, often heralded, yet never imitated. Yeah, they try. They try to, they, they nip at our heels, but we are the alphas when it comes to this feature. Whacking on track. track. Oh, we're almost so on. We're almost no, we were on. totally on. We were totally on. Okay. Yo, Jacob will make Jacob, it Jacob, if you want to line it up so that's perfect, you don't have to because it totally is perfect. Good work, Jacob. <laughs> but anyway, yes, whacking on track. Liam, what have yes. you done recently that has been whack and or on track? I'll go ahead and say I've I've been relatively inactive. We've had a bunch of uh, snowstorms up here. Uh, oh man, that Valley. is whack! Can we put that in the whack column? Shoveling? Yeah, so 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 whack. I've been snowed in. This has been a very snowy March, which I was not expecting. Sweet um, baby and Jesus! So I haven't made it out to any shows. I haven't made it out to much movie stuff. There's even been stuff out I wanted to catch. Uh, you know, th- January and February are not exactly high cinema times. No, and yet for sure. Yeah, there were definitely a few things here and there that I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out of my way and go to that," and didn't didn't happen. Uh, even Exhumed had an event I really wanted to go to. Yeah, the Couldn't entity. Get... And uh, yep. what was the other one? Um, did you did you end up going to that? Uh, I have a story about that, and the answer okay. to that question is no. Okay. Well, we can talk about that in a sec. Uh, <laughs> so the last cool thing I did really was the horror noir screening, and I haven't really made it out to anything else since that. I have caught a couple of things at home yeah. that I want to mention. Uh, they're not huge. It's not like cool, super rare cinema stuff. It's just worth mentioning. I finally caught uh, Bumblebee. And? That was pretty good. Yeah. I was actually – I was significantly surprised by that. Again, I hate to be the guy who's like, because I thought it was too good for Bumblebee. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I don't feel that bad saying that because for the most part – The Transformers um, movies have been trash. Let's be honest with each other. They've been fucking t- – they've been terrible. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so, yeah. like, I with don't no feel – Yeah, and so I don't feel bad saying, like, uh, I expected more of the same. I expected this to also be bad. And um, – I don't think that's true. I think it's fun. Um, it's not it's not deep, but you know, you don't need a deep Transformers movie. And I would go so far as to say, in a re- very real sense, this is the Transformers movie I thought I was getting when the Transformers started. Oh wow. Okay. That's in the cool. sense of like what I wanted when the when that that happened. When, okay, we're gonna have Transformers. That's what we're doing. We're gonna have Transformers. Okay, we're gonna have Transformers. Cool. Right. I'm into that. I expected something that was fun and mildly mindless you know what i mean Uh, like just a good time and i gotta be honest that's just not what we got that's just not what we got we got some michael bay worship going on and some weird marky mark in there and yeah yeah so uh, so 
again, I'm not saying go out and grab Bumblebee, but if, if you're some if you're somebody who uh, appreciates Transformers for their nostalgia and wants something a little bit fun and just kind of like a good time, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I also caught uh, or I didn't catch, but I finally watched something that you had been on me for quite some time, right? Uh, to talk to watch rewatch, and that is. LaBamba. Yo, so good, dude. I don't give a fuck what you're about to say. That movie still goddamn rules. <laughs> that was a little more belligerent than I meant to, but now that we're friends with Lou Diamond Phillips, because we are, uh, I feel like I have to die on that hill of defense. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Say it. Here's the thing. Um, <laughs> biopics are a pretty low bar. Right. For sure. And on the on that measure i will say labama is not that bad there are some really fun performances i think the dynamic between lou diamond phillips ldp from here on out (laughs) and and his brother isai morales isai morales they're good they they really have a chemistry that i like um that being said all the stuff the way that it handles the racism against him is toothless yeah it it's very handsome for sure yeah there is definitely um, no gravity to the consequences that he dealt with no for sure and the the constant dream sequences about his is that his brother or his cousin who gets killed by the plane yeah 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 i, I don't know Wait, if it's his uncle or something overdone yeah, yeah oh i think yeah i think it's his, it's his uncle overdone too much too much of it it goes on forever uh and they really can't get a handle i mean here's the thing right they actually have set themselves a tough task uh your man uh well actually he should be my man he's only become josh's man because ldp is filipino but (laughs) yeah my man uh 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 ricky valens uh he was only around for a very short period of time and he died very young 17 years old yeah Doing a biopic about a seventeen-year-old who really just had one hit or maybe two hit songs—that's a—that's a—that's not an easy task. So they've they've given themselves a, a big thing, and uh, and so I think actually if you take that into account, they do a pretty good job with it. I just right. don't think there's actually enough there for a full movie, uh, and so the it feels a little light to me. There's a few moments that I really love, and I will say like LDP, the, even though he looks nothing like. <laughs> Valens <laughs> at all? Let's be honest. LDP was kind of like the Bruno Mars in uh, actor mode of that yeah. time. Except like... for, except for if Bruno Mars was in that role, he would have killed it. Right? But, sure. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's no, exactly actually, probably what he should be doing I, instead of singing. But okay, sure. stop it. I know, right? You're the worst, dude. Anyways, Los the point Lobos, is, is that though, come on, you didn't like the Los Lobos soundtrack or no, Brian I'll, Setzer I'll, in there I'll, and all that. I'll, I'll, all I'm gonna say, well, Brian Setzer, I actually didn't like in there, but all I will say is, I, it is. I was worried you were living purely in nostalgia, and that I was gonna watch this thing and it was gonna be a pile of trash. And it's <laughs> it's not that at all. Is it great cinema? No. No. And I definitely, I definitely think you are a little affected by nostalgia when you love it as much as you do. But I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it, and that made me feel good because when I was a kid, I watched it on cable. Every time it was on, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I want, yeah. I've seen it like a, a bajillion times. It's not that I'm unfamiliar with it. It's that I hadn't watched it again for probably 20 years. You know, I'll, like I'll that's... admit to you this, that, uh, you know, me and my friends growing up when that movie, that movie was on HBO when like bad Michael got HBO and all that stuff. Yeah. So like we saw yeah. it a million times, you know, and, uh, Isai Morales looks just like my uncle Ernie, big up to uncle Ernie, Mike Sell. 
And uh, there's the scene right at the end when Richie's death is announced on the radio. Spoiler alert, sorry, but you had 20 years, um, or 30 years to see it. But anyway, when uh, when Eastside Morales hears the the um, the radio announcer say that Richie Valens dies in the plane crash, he goes, what the shit? And Uncle Ernie said that at a party one time, and he looks just like Eastside Morales. And I looked at like Bad Michael and my brother, and I was like, yo, Bob. And Anthony and Bad Michael are both like, yeah, right? Uncle Ernie is Bob. <laughs> that, that is where that my is, expectation that is, for that entire movie comes from. I'm not even going to lie to you. I kind of like that story, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, yeah. So I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I will say, uh, after your request we actually have a bunch of ldp movies are now part of our uh, media server so i'm looking forward to watching some other ldp yeah a little first power a little uh and, young and guns ranking. one and two did you watch those yet uh i mean i've seen young guns one and two before yeah, but, but i haven't no, watched them recently. since they got at it oh sweet baby jesus yeah i watched but them I, both oh see you 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 get a lot more time i probably only have time for movies like twice a week and i have to watch so many movies for our various podcasts yeah that like uh, you know watching something for fun is a big commitment and it better be something i really really <laughs> enjoy um i did uh rewatch hard noir with uh my wife and uh what did season um, think that she like it she did. She liked it a lot, actually. Yeah. And so I'm glad I watched it with her. And then what else did we, me and Susan, watch? Or did I watch on my own? Oh, I watched, I finally caught Happy Death Day because everyone was talking about how great Happy Death Day 2 is. I still haven't seen Happy Death Day 2, but I finally watched Happy Death Day. It's good. Yeah, it's I, fun, uh, right? I just assumed from the trailer it would be stupid. And uh, Well, it's not, not smart, <laughs> but it's well, not dumb but either. It's, not, it's super it's fun. Not a, it's not it's not bad and i will say i think the main actress is very good and yeah, very underrated. i would agree i think she does a really great thing so that's it i will say whack has just been all the snow um and other on track things i think that's it for me like you know no judgment or anything but i just haven't had time to do much else you got any new music that you like well i think i hyped it before but i've still been listening to that one step closer john a lot uh, there's a new Fury record that I very much enjoy. Uh, there's the new Devil Master, which I very much enjoy. And there's a new Solange record, which <laughs> I thought would explode the internet. And I haven't seen that much posting about since it came out. That record is brilliant. And yeah. I still, I am still team Solange is better than Beyonce. And people who know me know I also love Beyonce. So when I say that, that's not just a random thing to piss people off. It's because I really think Solange is brilliant, and I really think the record is really good. So if you haven't checked out any of those, I highly recommend them. Uh, oh, one more on track thing. It you know they space their episodes out farther than we do, but mm -hmm. I'm going to be on an episode of Wine and Cheese, one nice. of our new podcasts. I just recorded with them last weekend, and it was a lot of fun. And that's definitely on track. Yeah, uh, so big check, up to Mike and Joey, uh, new members on the team, and we love both of you guys very much. Yep. So keep up the keeping up. You guys are doing great. You're killing it yep. right now. Oh, awesome. also on also on track. We added a new podcast, Tomb of Ideas, which yeah. is a Marvel horror podcast. Marvel horror. Uh, those those dudes are really fun. I really like that show. So check that out as well. Okay, did you give? Josh. Did, you, did you get a chance to listen to that Clear Soul Forces record I, I sent to you? No, I forgot Still. about that. Oh, sweet baby Jesus! Yeah, it's great. It's so good, dude. Well, uh, you can do it in your section of whacking on track. You know what? Here's the thing, Liam. And uh, yeah. you know, I try to keep things relatively positive. 
And uh, I've been trying to stay, uh, you know, ahead of uh, just things that make me sad in general, right? But as we had mentioned previously, being on this diet, my favorite contraption for keeping keeping the blues away has been edited, right? Like I'm not out there eating barbecue or anything like that anymore. So I've been having to um, fill my time, and uh, it, it's been it's been a challenge in that uh, Melania is also in class because she's going for her MBA, so she has to study and like do a bunch of other things. So I don't even have my wife here to hang out with, and uh, it's been difficult to say the least. So. My idea that I've been indulging in. And uh, in the last episode, we talked about the fact that I went and saw Mushmouth, if you recall. Because, I do. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I was like hungry and not eating and Melani was in class. And rather than sit around wearing camo pants and not eat, Bruce, friend of the show and Patreon subscriber Bruce Park, was like, yo, you want to go see Mushmouth in Trenton? And I was like, yeah, Bruce, let's do this shit. So I saw Mushmouth. Happened again, Liam. It happened again. But this time a little bit more... Uh, well, let's let's start back. I went to the Alone in the Crowd show. Did we talk about that? I don't know if we talked about that. No, at we haven't recorded since you went. I know you went to that, but we haven't talked about it. All yeah, yet. I went to the Alone in the Crowd show. I am, by the way, very jealous. And that was the first that was the first show in a while where I really thought, I can't believe I'm missing this, but I just couldn't make it work. Dude, if you were on the East Coast and you cared about hardcore at all and you missed that show, you fucked up. That's all I'm saying. Dude, I had literally that was the weekend. Uh, let me just add one whack. We had a whole weekend where the Mave, me, and Susan. Oh, all you guys had a were all ill, bug. right? Yeah, yeah. We were puking and shitting that whole weekend, so there was no way I was going to a show. Yeah, no, I can dig that. But uh, you probably puked and shitted at the show. No one probably would have noticed. Just saying, not a real important fair, detail, fair. but whatever, you know. Um, so that weekend actually was also the Philadelphia Tattoo Convention. And uh, Ray Hart Flores, tattooer at Revolver Tattoo in New Brunswick, New Jersey, he is uh, one of my old friends from when I lived in Jersey City. And he hit me up and he was like, yo, man, I'm going to be tattooing at the Philly convention. Let's hang out. So uh, I worked for uh, with him, basically, just uh, making stencils and like manning the table. I, have you ever gone to a tattoo convention before, Liam, or no? No, we've talked about this because I need to go with you to at least one, but I've, I've never been before. Oh, my sweet baby. It is not fun. It is not the funnest thing. If you're working there, however, and uh, Bruce Park comes along and gets an Only Glory tattoo, it's actually really fun. But uh, I spent two days there, and in the middle, uh, Grace Kim, one of my good buds and friend of the show, was like, yo, I got an extra ticket to this Alone in the Crowd show. You should totally come. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I went to the show, um, and uh, Nowhere Roads played, and um, I believe Line of Sight played. There's a bunch of bands that, like, I just... Let down. Uh, Letdown played. Yeah, they, they covered um, Black Flag. It was pretty fun. It was a really fun night. There was a lot of friends, and it was good hanging out with everybody. And Alone in the Crowd like didn't go on till like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. And I was like, oh, they only have 17 minutes worth of music. We'll be done by 11.30. Nope. They played until like 12.30. They did a, they did a, um, a Killing Time cover with uh, Davin singing. They did a bunch of songs with the guy from uh, from Breakdown singing with them. And they opened with Is Anybody There? And it was just, it was mayhem. It was super duper fun. It was definitely one of those shows that definitely made me think like, yo, I totally still am in love with hardcore. And then, yeah, like, sometimes you need a reminder, right? Yeah, sometimes you, you, you get to a place where like having that um, restated to you in a way that you realize like this whole place is coming together to help uh, Howie, the the one guitar player, because he needs some surgery or something, so it was a fundraiser basically. Um, and like 
everybody came out and showed up and and it was awesome and it was like super duper fun to see you know hardcore doing a thing like that you know what i mean and sure. uh, i mean i'm not i'm not young enough or, or or starry-eyed enough to say like oh wow hardcore can fix the world but for a moment you definitely could have convinced me that it could and uh sometimes that moment's all need all you need to keep on pushing through the harder stuff that you got to deal with on your own you know what i mean and yeah. so it was definitely a cathartic uh, show and it was really fun and it also just felt really good to be there so that was definitely on track uh whack is however the following week i found myself in the same predicament hungry as hell Melani was in class i was home not eating and i didn't know what to do and i was like yo i think i might go to this exhume thing by myself or whatever it's fine i'll see friends there it'll be everything and then Evo Tomas calls me and goes, yo, man, I got an extra ticket to go see Less Than Jake at the Starland Ballroom in Sayreville, New no, Jersey. You want to go? Stop, and stop. again, just like the Bushmount scenario, I was like, yes, Evo, I want to go. So I went and saw Less Than Jake and Anti-Flag and the Jukebox Ugh. Romantics in uh, Sayreville, New Jersey at previously the Hunkabunka Ballroom, now the Starland Ballroom. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, man, the last time I was in that room, was to see Less Than Jake. But it was in 1998 with Discount and All. And let me tell you, neither Discount nor All were playing to that night. But uh, I was there with Steve and Evo. And uh, man, it was like watching Carrot Top do comedy. Less Than Jake are the <sighs> Carrot Top of the punk rock world. I mean, some people love Carrot Top, but that's not my, that's not for me. That's how I feel about Less Than Jake. Some people love Less Than Jake, but that's not for me. Yeah, it's not my style, is all I'm saying. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I know a couple of their records just because, you know, I've been to Fest. I've seen them in Gainesville. Like, it's fine. But also, it's not my favorite, man. It's, it's, it's like a weird interpretation of both ska and punk without any type of social consciousness or, uh, I don't know, thought. It's like if, the, you know, a lot of people are saying it's time for for a scanaissance. Oh, and sweet baby if Jesus! That's, if that's going to happen, I really hope it's not at the less than Jake Friday. No, I if, hope it's the specials and those kinds of bands yeah, lead the way. You know what I, I mean? I mean, we've talked a lot of shit about Scott on this show, um, much mostly just to mess with Justin Harlan. But let me <laughs> let me go ahead and say, despite my joy at messing with Justin Harlan, that first specials record is is actually a, a gift. Untouchable. It's, it's so good. It's really good. And I have a very low tolerance for ska, and yet that record <laughs> always seeps through. If it comes on, my first response a lot of times is to think, oh, I should skip this. Because, you know, the beginning of Ghost Town starts, and I'm like, oh, God, what is this? But then... By the time the song's over, I'm like, I gotta listen to the whole record. The whole record's good. Yeah, what am it, I doing? I gotta listen to the record. It's so great. It's so great. But Less Than Jay did, they, I don't know, they brought children on stage. They shot toilet paper out of lawn leaf blowers. Like, no, no. these kinds of things were happening. It was like prop comedy, like Carrot Top. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happened. I don't like, I don't like that. Uh, it was cool, I guess. Um, I hugged, it's funny, my friend Griffin, who, uh, book shows with Porkchop Express booking at a Mill Hill basement and a championship bar. Uh, he was, he had posted that he was going to be there. So I was hoping to see him. And if uh, you guys know Griffin, he's like, uh, you know, he's a white dude with a bald head and a big red beard. He's like a big dude. And uh, I went to the show thinking I was going to run into my mans. Right. And I saw like three or four separate white dudes with bald heads and big beards that I hugged that were not him. 
But uh, I eventually saw him by the end of the show. So that was pretty on track. But other than that, the rest of the experience was it was fun hanging out with Evo and Steve, but then, you know, the, not really my cup of tea anymore. So, uh, so it was kind of like. Um, also, I did manage to see Greta. And um, I was, I was, I was going to say, we got to get to talking about the, your man Gasper here. So let's get to the movies, man. Right. What movies did you see? I saw, uh, I saw How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World. How is that? Melani celebrates the entire canon from part one all the way to this third one. So when uh, the opportunity to see it came up, I told Melani and she needed a break from school. So we did it and we, we saw the movie. And um, if you like the rest of the movies, then you'll like this one. It's just really fun, like world building, basically. And, um, you know, there's dragons and there's bad guys and you got to fight the bad guys. It's pretty cool. And, you know, there's a hidden world of dragons kind of thing. It's pretty fun. Um, animation looked really good. Uh, it's still Jay Baruchel in the role of Hiccup, the main guy. So it's really, I mean, you know, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Melani really loved it. So if I think that if you're really into it, then um, it, it, you'll you'll love this end cap to the trilogy. It's super fun. And then we saw Greta at uh, the Prince Theater, which is now known the known as the Philadelphia uh, Film yeah, Center. Did Film you know that? Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I noticed it a while ago that they changed it. I kept waiting for the change to mean that they were going to do good stuff there, but they haven't really done them many events there. Uh, it doesn't. It's it's run by the Film Society. Which, oh, I know. Oh, I didn't know. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was a screener of Greta with director Neil Jordan in attendance. So, do you know about this oh. movie at all? Oh yeah, I know all about it. With Isabel Huppert and uh, Chloe uh-huh. Grace Moretz. Chloe Grace Moretz plays this wide-eyed. Uh, 20-something young lady living in New York, um, and she finds a purse on the subway, and she looks inside, and she finds that it belongs to an older lady, who she then goes and seeks out to return it to, and then uh, mayhem ensues, like, whereas the old lady ends up being this psychotic stalker lady who, oh my god. The premise of the movie, to begin with, was already, like, really weak to me. But I was like, ah, you know what they're saying? It's going to be a pretty interesting movie, and it's a taut thriller, so let's go for it. And um, it was not that, I will say. It, so you didn't like it. I've heard very positive things, and I've heard very negative things. I was uh, not a fan. I did not enjoy it at all. I thought that the it was just really, like, it was just so so you eventually find out that this lady has done this before and that she has managed to trap other young ladies in the same ploy of them returning the purse. And then she, you know, catches them and makes like, like ends up becoming like a maternal thing, but then doesn't leave them alone. And it's just, I don't know. So this is something I've been trying to figure out about your taste in film, right? Right. Because you are in my mind, the biggest John Waters fan I know who hates campy movies. Yeah. If you remove John Waters, you, in fact, don't like a single campy movie I can think of. And everyone I know who enjoyed this movie enjoyed it for its, like, ridiculous campiness, not because they thought it was actually quality cinema. I mean, camp is a quality, so I guess they do think it's quality. But they didn't think it was, like, intense or whatever. And so, like, when you were like, oh, I didn't like it, I'm kind of not surprised because I feel like the reasons some other people I know liked it are the very reasons you wouldn't like it. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, it's – here's the thing. I love campy movies, but they have to be campy with joy. This movie is Uh... void of all joy. 
And and the other thing is, huh. uh, listeners who've been listening for a while know that we've seen a lot of Chloe Grace Moretz movies from Kick-Ass until, like, the, I saw the Carrie remake, you know, and she was in Suspiria remake and all this stuff. And she, you know, she's kind of like the go-to actress, it feels to me, that uh, they're going to remake a property that is well-loved from back in the day, and let's see what she's up to. You know what I mean? So she ends up in all these wild movies. Um, she always plays this kind of flustered a deer in the headlights kind of character and i think i've had enough of that i think that's my limit yeah because it's just enough to see this weird fluttering like what are we doing now like this kind of like i don't know frantic you know uh damsel in distress trope and it, it, it it's i mean granted this movie doesn't have that whole element of like you know the male savior and all that stuff but it, it definitely has that like you know um that element of this this victimhood that's just i don't know it just seems unrealistic to begin with for me so seeing her go through the motions of that you know fluttering distraught female lead just i couldn't take it i couldn't get into it at all it just bummed me out it bummed me out so huh. much we didn't even stay for the q a with neil jordan <laughs> that's a shame because i really like neil jordan but yeah i could see that if you didn't dig the movie it's not really worth staying to talk to him about it yeah 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 so that was uh that was you, you, i guess you could have always always asked him about byzantium i could have byzantium was awesome i love byzantium and <laughs> i actually think it's really good yeah yeah underrated under under heralded i don't think too many people talked about it when it came out because it's just kind of like a quiet zombie movie yeah. or a quiet vampire movie you know um okay let's let's keep going here get to the big one that we all want to hear about i got well, i got two more i saw the mustang um, i don't care i don't care about that yeah you shouldn't it's fine it's a rehabilitation story it's you know it's fine um it's, i mean I'll, I'll watch it but it's not something i'm excited about it's one of those movies where it's like at the end of it I was like, eh, it's fine. Basically, the story is this guy's an incorrigible inmate, and he's like a bad prisoner. And uh, they put him in this program where he has to take care of a horse. And in the horse, he sees himself. And uh, Bruce Dern's in there. The The best line in the movie is Bruce Dern is talking to him, and, like, you know, and he goes, I just came to learn after working with horses all these years that some horses you can't break. And I was like, ooh, yeah, go ahead, Bruce. But um, overall, the movie is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm already bored. It's a fair redemptive story. But uh, you, you don't need to see it on the big screen. It's not one of those movies that, you, like, if I were to be like, yo, I should pay to go see this movie, I definitely would not have seen it. Or I would have been bummed that I did. Um, the big one. So, I saw Captain Marvel. And there has and... been a lot of talk about how, you know, uh, everybody who says they don't like it are white males is what, one thing that I read. And it's a lot of, like, defense of it. Uh, I think, objectively, it is a bad movie. So I was wondering because I've I've definitely seen a few people who liked it and you know obviously fellow cinepunker Justin Lore he went and saw it last night and I texted him to see what he thought he said it was a lot of fun but often with Justin when someone when he just says it's a lot of fun that lets me know it's not a great movie um, but I was just listening to uh, a podcast I actually appeared on but I just only appeared for a segment and that's the uh, the the Planet Vulcan podcast with yeah. friend of the show Jacob Knight. And Jacob and, and Rocky Juarez were talking about it. Rocky, by the way, one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> and uh, and Rocky's a huge Marvel defender. Rocky loves Marvel. You know, I expected this to be a great episode where Jacob and Rocky just yell at each other because Jacob likes 
you know, exploitation films and not Marvel. And Rocky really loves Marvel. <laughs> and Rocky didn't like it. And that made me think, oh, no, there's no way it's that good if Rocky didn't like it. So yeah. I'm not that surprised you don't like it. Tell me about it. What do you think worked and what do you think didn't work? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I went into it with a bunch of other critics that we're friends with. And uh, it was like, oh, man, the team's here. I brought Evo with me. The whole squad was together. And it felt really good, right? And we were all like cylinders clicking. We're all like, yo, this is going to be the greatest. And uh, spoiler, it does open with a little uh, big up to Stan Lee. Because it's like the first movie since he had passed. And uh, it, you know, how the Marvel screen comes up and you see all the characters. In the thing, it's just pictures of Stan Lee in all the movies. And then it ends on a thank you, Stan line. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that shit hit me right in the heart piece. Just saying. Yeah, of course, of course. And he actually does have an amazing cameo in the movie, which I won't spoil for you. But um, the the movie itself, by the time we were finished, I was like, did I have fun just now? Like, I feel like I should have had more fun. Like, it was kind of like one of those, did you ever lose a fight? And you're kind of just stuck sitting there afterwards, and you're like, whoa, did I just lose a fight? Like, that kind of, like, confusion after getting your ass beat, like, that's how it felt. Like, I think I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I really had fun. And then some of the other people that I was with was like, yo, I didn't enjoy not one moment of that movie. And uh, that was kind of hard to hear because I was like, yeah, I I had uh, some of a good time, I think. Here's the problem as I got a few days away from it and had a chance to think about it a little bit more. Um, As far as origin stories go, this movie had a lot of ground to cover before the next Avengers movie comes up. And it sure. it definitely relies on some uh, not the best writing to get to you, to get up to speed in order to take on the next uh, Avengers um, property, right? Like the a lot of the backstory is told in flashback, which I'm not exactly a crazy fan of. And uh, Brie Larson, I thought was good, and Samuel Jackson, of course, was good, and um, you know uh, it's. Jude Laws in it. It's it's fine. It just never felt like there were any true like uh peril. There was no true stakes uh afoot, if that makes huh. any sense. Like it, it definitely felt yeah. like we're just gonna paint all these numbers so that she can come in on Infinity Endgame and, and Avengers Endgame and just get get to business. You know what I mean? Um I feel as though like, you know, it was cool seeing the scroll and the Cree and uh the interaction between the two races, like all that intergalactic stuff was super fun. And, um, you know, the stuff with the cat was a good time. But overall, I just thought that it was like a weak um, portrayal of what is, to me, a pretty powerful character. Sure. And um, also, like, by the end of it, it just felt like another thing. I don't know if it was just a screener that we saw, but it was really dark for the most part. And uh, I really get frustrated with these Marvel properties that are like rely on that darkness to convey a sense of gravity when we're talking about comic book movies. And it's like, yo, get in there. Like, you know, light that shit up. All the the referencing to the mid-90s, because it takes place in 95, um, those are really fun. Like, she, she comes crashing through a blockbuster and, like, you know, she picks up a video box of the right stuff. Like, these kinds of things happen. Like, that's really fun and all that stuff, but it wasn't enough to keep me completely in. Especially coming off of Black Panther. You can't come yeah. off of Black Panther and then not write the way um, people have come to expect you to write. You know what I mean? You've created your own standard at this point, if you're Marvel. So you have to hold yourself to that rule. To, to me, this is the same level as Thor 2. 
like that level of storytelling, which I was Ooh, not psyched on. I, I, yeah, I don't love that. Yeah, this is definitely lower tier Marvel. And again, there are fun parts, but it just, you know, it felt like the action sequences were just kind of like, all right, so now she can just beat up spaceships with her hands. Like, you know, it's like just, it's fine, but it's also like, you know, you got to give me a little bit of like something to sink my teeth into. You know what I mean? You, it, it lacks a dimension of, um, I feel. Sure. So that's my ultimate review that's why i didn't write anything about it because i don't want to you know write i want to write good stuff but i also don't want to just like slam what maybe a well-loved property like i don't know you know what i mean and it's like one of those see i i completely disagree you that's when you have to do it if it was an indie film you saw at a film fest that no one's going to give a fuck about yeah don't review that this is marvel man this is the megalopolis (laughs) they're soon going to own your body and your dna like this is one of the enemy we all like yeah i get it like misogynists are hating this movie for stupid misogynist reasons but when the mega corporation takes a shit we have every right to point out that it's shit that's just the reality, and I don't feel bad about that at all. So yeah. if you want, I mean, granted, I don't expect you to write anything because you haven't written anything. But <laughs> if you did want to write about it, there's nothing to feel bad about there. The reality is, the movie is what the movie is, and I'd rather us point out, you know, like it doesn't make sense to me to treat it with kid gloves just because uh, uh, a bunch of sexists attacked it before it even came out. Yeah, it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. And here's the deal. Even if we put an article out that says it's bad, it's still gonna make a fuck ton of money. Yeah, and then they're gonna sure. make still gonna make money on Avengers Endgame. And Avengers Endgame might be amazing or it might be trash. We don't know. Like I, I just I'm not gonna wear kid gloves when it comes to the dominant cultural force in our world right now, which is Disney shit. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Point taken. Um, you know, that being said, of course, like if you're skipping this movie just because there's a lady in it, yeah, then you can you're, go you're fuck obviously, yourself too. Yeah. yeah, you're obviously a fucking mutant. And all I've heard is, like I said, I've heard some positive, but I've also heard a lot of negative things. I'm still excited to see it. I want to see it for myself. Uh, and, you know, I don't think if it's bad, that spells doom for the rest of the phase of Marvel. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, a lot of these movies don't start off great and then um i like the sequels so right. i'm okay with that i mean i think thor 3 yeah Ragnarok's is amazing. miles yeah it's miles above the first two thor movies so i'm fine with that yeah so so yeah we, that was we gotta get... oh my on track uh the new dark blue record is really good uh the nuclear soul forces record i really like a lot um yeah and uh i've been listening to hardcore more so that's been on track all right, we gotta get, we gotta shift here, man. We don't got a lot of time, right? And we gotta talk about your new favorite director, Casper. <laughs> no, we're gonna be discussing uh, after the break uh, his films, his new film, Climax, and his film from twenty, I think it was twenty sixteen. Yeah, love, love. Um, which uh, we'll let you know now. We did not watch in three D as it was intended because it's not available in three D to us. Uh, yeah. But we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back for Josh to tell us why Gaspar No can jump <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> See you after sec. the break.
And we are back. So, topic of discussion for episode 94 of Cinepunks is a Gaspar no. Let's go ahead and say this conversation started because Josh let me know in a conversation that he hates Gaspar No. <laughs> yeah, I do. Based based only upon having watched uh what's it called? Irreversible. Irreversible. Did you see that movie? So what's funny is that is the only Gaspar No movie I have not seen. Is Irreversible. Good for you. Don't watch and, it. And and honestly, I don't know that I want to even though I'm I don't think knowing that there is a brutal rape scene in that film Dude. makes it automatically a bad movie. I think a movie can have that sort of violence and be okay. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's not an artistic judgment. I'm not saying, oh, because the movie's bad. Movie might be great. I just know for myself. And it's not like I've never seen any films with rape scenes. I have. I've just had people describe to me not the content of it but the impact it had on them and i just thought you know what i don't want to watch that right now yeah that right now is probably going to last forever that being said his other movies are also upsetting and i've seen i think now all of them really other than that movie yeah it's not that many movies the void and uh yep Yep, Whoa. I haven't seen the. Sh- he has a lot of short films that I haven't seen. Oh right, I haven't seen Into the I, Void. I, saw, I haven't seen. I saw I Stand Alone as well. Oh yeah, I did In see fact, that. One that either. was the first one I ever saw of his films. Was I Stand Alone? Right. So, uh, so that's where this conversation started, and and you were like, yeah, let's watch these Gaspar No movies. It'll be great, whatever. And I get the feeling that it was great. Now, do you want to start? Do you want to go chronologically, or do you want to start with climax? Let's go chronologically. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, so wait, so we both. So so tell me first, how did you get introduced to Gaspar now? Uh, I was researching what was called. I don't think people talk about this anymore, but there was a time where people were really talking a lot about what's called the French extremity. Yeah, I remember that. They were uh, calling them like uh, the new pornography. Yep. Uh, yep. Stuff yep. like and, this. Yeah. yeah. Or some people just say Euro extremity, but the, the idea is that that there were these uh, new kinds of horror films. Now, in retrospect, I feel what they were just describing is um, art horror films that were politically motivated, because a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them had underlying political things going on. Right. You could talk about uh, you could talk about Trouble Every Day or Martyrs or I Stand Alone, obviously, or uh, Cavalier. Or time um, crimes, like these kinds of movies. Oh, time crimes! Actually, I've never seen on a list of these kind of movies. I don't know if people would consider that that or not. I will uh, say it doesn't have quite the brutality. No, it but doesn't. But the the it, implications it could, I felt were all in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I stand alone is about this uh, uh, racist German butcher who has a terrible day and bad things happen. And saying more than that would actually ruin the movie. So I'm not going to really say anything. I will say that the final horrible thing that happens uh, really introduced you to Gaspar No's style because it has a countdown. He's like, literally, towards the end of the movie, I'm not going to say what happens, but before this horrible thing happens, he says, all right, something bad's going to happen. Here's the countdown, almost to dare you to get up and leave the theater so you don't have to experience it. But of course, you're not going to because you want to know what the hell is so bad that he has a countdown to it to prepare you for it. Was it that so, bad? Uh, it bummed me out. I'll say that much. <laughs> I mean, that's generally my feeling on these films, the ones that are the most beautiful. For example, I think Trouble Every Day is a earth-shatteringly important movie, actually. Uh, A lot of people also hate it, but I think it's amazing. Um, Whereas something like Martyrs, Martyrs is cool. It's it's cool. It's neat. I don't think it's really that 
great. I don't think it's as, you know what I mean? But all of the movies are a bummer. Like that, it seems to be for me, the unifying idea here is that they are all a bummer in some way or another. Yeah, no, it's definitely not some feel good shit for sure. Now, I don't know that people consider his films after I Stand Alone part of that movement. I think that's where he starts. But I think, you know, Enter the Void is an entirely different thing. Uh, I think Irreversible, definitely you could say it falls into that category, but it's so much more polished and Hollywood, uh, according to people who've reviewed it, that they don't really consider it part of that. That movement is a little bit more of an independent thing, I guess. Um, And I certainly would say love is not a French extremity. It's extreme in many ways, but it is not a violent horror film in any way, shape, or form, though it is, uh, much like the other Gaspar Noe movies, upsetting. Yeah, it is is an emotional carnage for sure. Sure. So do you want to tell, uh, uh, for those who might not know, I mean, I think you should go watch the movie, but if for some reason you want to hear what we think about it, having not watched it, Josh, what (laughs) what is love about? It is an emotional, sexually explicit love story is what it is. It's basically him trying to tell the story of a relationship with eroticism, I guess. Sure. I think that's fair. Would you say that, that that's pretty much an assessment of what that movie is? Well, there's a moment where, uh, very ridiculously, one of the characters in the film is himself a director. Yeah. And and he talks at one moment about what he wants in cinema. And he said, you know, blood, sweat, and cum. That's yeah. what movies should be made of. And that's just this movie. I mean, it's so corny, actually, that moment. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, we get it, Gasper. You don't have to tell us. No, dude. But, and then there's the moment when they're talking about having a child, and he talks about naming it Gasper. Yeah, he does. He names the kid Gasper in the movie. Yeah, it's like, dude. Really, bro? Like, this is where we're <laughs> headed? Ah, oh, sweet. So here's the funny thing. I was at a screener on uh, on Monday, and yeah. uh, I saw an uh, old friend and fellow critic, Mr. Nathan Lerner, there. And he was like, so what have you sure. been up to? And I was like, oh, Liam and I are watching uh, Gaspar No movies uh, in preparation for our new uh, episode that's, that we're going to be recording this week. And Nathan looks at me, and if you know Nathan, you know he's, he's a pretty wry individual. He's pretty... Uh, pretty astute you know and he goes don't you think that watching gaspar no movies is like watching someone throw shit at you (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know what it's funny because he said that and then i watched these movies i'm like yeah it feels like this man is just throwing doo-doo at me and trust me i've had enough doo-doo thrown at me to know what that feels like feels just like this so okay, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit more. So love is is told in a series of flashbacks. Yeah, and it's um, this guy remembering. Basically, he gets a call from the mother, the mother of, an of his ex. Yeah, and he's never gotten over this ex. And in fact, he lives with a woman who he had a child with, but he's not sure he loves anymore. And the film is uh, about loss. It's about. Um, sort of uh the ways that we make poor decisions the way that love can fall apart yeah and it's the way about that being love, ass- love starts out as an immortal and eternal thing and it eventually devolves as yeah. we as we exist further and uh it's it, 
It was in three. I mean, in a way, it's also about being an asshole kid yeah. who ruins his life, basically. Yeah, for and sure. it's also, in my mind, an experiment in having an explicit film in which much of the sex is not sexy at all. There's maybe one or two tantalizing moments, but mostly the sex is filmed and designed to try and convey more of an emotional moment than to really like turn you on, which means some of the sex scenes are upsetting. Yeah. Not not only not sexy, but disturbing. And I don't mean that to say because they're violent. It's just, they're just not, it, it's not feel good. It feels yeah. weird. The other and thing honestly, about it is that all the sex scenes are 100% not simulated. They are all like full on coitus. Oh yeah, I mean this is basically a porn, only it's not a porn. Yeah, because and it's porn... on Netflix, which is weird. But okay, sure, why not? Well, because it had a huge release, it was it was it was heralded and attacked equally, um, and so I'm sure Netflix has had a lot of people watch it and are excited to watch it. And when it came out, Josh hinted, but I, you know, a lot of people know. In case you don't, it was shot in 3D and presented in 3D. Um, and, you know, Gaspar Noe definitely is, when you say throwing shit at you, he definitely is a provocateur. I mean, literally. <laughs> provocateur is good. What's that, French? The other, the other movie we'll be talking about when he does, he, I read an interview with him where he's talking to the guy and he asked the guy, because he's, the interview's at Cannes, he said, how many people walked out of Climax at your screening? And he said, the guy said, oh, about five people. And Gaspar Noe goes, only five? Oh, no, maybe this movie's not very good. That's what he said. And I think that's that's who he is. He's trying to upset you. Whatever he's doing, he's trying to upset you. For sure. He, he goes he, for it. He goes for it with all he's got to. The, and the question you have to ask yourself is, is he upsetting you for good reason or not? Yeah. Josh, I, let's get into it. You hated this movie. Yes. I did not appreciate it at all. It was like, first of all, it's long as fuck. Second of all, it is very long. It is so long. There was like a moment like 30 minutes in when I'm like, how is this still happening in my eyeballs? But then I had to hang in there because I didn't want to tell you I didn't finish it. So I finished the goddamn thing. And uh, I mean, it took me two days to finish it. I kept watching it in chunks. Yeah, it's a lot, man. It was I had to put my phone away I because there's too much temptation to be like, and they're fucking again. Do something else for 11 minutes. You know what I mean? And it was just like, dude, it was brutal. And it was like watching a slow motion heart attack. It was like watching um, Dancer in the Dark again, but with fucking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. But I uh, love Dancer what? in the Dark. Let's, don't get it twisted. Right, right. But man, this movie, I did. It just, it, it felt to me like, uh, okay, so they, they definitely spent a lot of time in developing the characters of Murphy and Electra, and I yeah. get it. That said, it was, a lot of it was just really kind of, like they're saying poetry at one point. Like, it was yeah. just too much, man. It was, it felt as though, guess where I know, just wanted to be like, yo existential dread with fucking here you go two hours and 15 minutes of it. well i think i think what you have going on i i have a wider theory about him uh, 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 that i'll talk about in a sec but i think what you have going on with this movie to some extent is for him a movie called love is a movie about existential dread because that seems to be his experience of human interaction right existential I, would, dread. I would definitely yeah for sure and so he adds in i think what's going on with all the sex is one um, 
you know, he talks a lot when he talks about this movie about the response he got from American critics, which is literally every screening that he was at and critics were at, they wanted to know why there was so much penis in the movie. They didn't understand why so much penis. Now, here is a almost three hour long movie with unsimulated fucking and they're confused why there's so much penis now granted there is a moment that in 3d if you're watching in 3d there's a close-up of a penis that comes so you're basically getting jizzed on yeah if you're watching yeah and so i get that maybe that's more than american audiences are used to but i also think from gaspar no's perspective he just thinks that a lot of people especially americans are weird about sex and sexuality and so he has a film filled with sex and I think he thinks, and I don't think he's wrong, that Americans can only handle sexuality uh, in a private room where they're planning to touch themselves. And outside, <laughs> outside of that, we don't want to deal with it. And here's a movie filled with sexuality that is only vaguely interested in turning you on. Most of the time, it's kind of like, here's two people fucking and, you know, you're probably not into this. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Someone somewhere is turned on by everything. So right. somebody watched somebody watched this movie and jacked it a few times. That, that person exists. But I just think that the movie itself is trying to detantalize the sexuality in the film. I just found it excessive. I just yeah. found it too much i i actually don't hate it i will say this though and and we'll get more into this with climax this i think movie really confirmed my theory which is i told you this and yeah and and, and, and i mean this theory by the way i think a lot of independent filmmakers are filmmakers with big ideas whose skills are not quite always honed enough to present those ideas that they you know they they want to speak something to you that's very big that's very philosophical that's very deep and they're trying to get there and sometimes they can get there but sometimes their skill is not tools to do it they don't have the tools they don't have the ability yeah i think gaspar no is a man with very bad ideas (laughs) whose undoubted unparalleled skills technically as a filmmaker means you watch his movies even though all of his ideas are bad because the thing about this film is that it actually has yeah but it has no actual insight into human relationships. I think he thinks he's saying something deep Uh. with this film or at least challenging. And it's not there. I think the same is true of climax, which I actually enjoyed a lot and we'll get to in a sec. (laughs) Uh, But the ideas are dumb. He is not actually very smart, but the movies are beautiful. And having seen his other films, I think they're all visually engaging of the ones I've seen, but he doesn't actually have that much to say. I don't think. And granted, I don't know that a film needs to say that much. It's not that I'm criticizing him for being a bad philosopher because I need my directors to be good philosophers. It's that I think he suspects he's a very good philosopher. And I don't think he is. I don't think he has much to say. And of the movies I've seen, Love is the worst example of that. There is no insight in this film to human relationships. It is just a long slog of a slowly dying relationship. Yeah, it's like watching a heart ass- attack in slow motion over two yeah. and a half hours. But, yeah. By the way, between assholes, neither one of these people are yeah. endearing. Neither of these people have any redemptive qualities. And I'm like, yo, I would totally be friends with that person. None of them. All no. three of them. I'm like, yo, fuck all you people. Oh, I think his current girlfriend isn't that bad. I mean, she just had a threesome. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing After wrong with that, that. She's also 17. Oh, yeah. That's, well, it's been a few years. So I think she's legal. At the, well, in France, I guess 17 would be legal. But yeah. I think at this point, she's 19 or 20 because it's been a few years. But uh, but I think like 
she clearly is trying to love him, even though he clearly does not love himself. Yeah. And so I actually found that part endearing. But she's only in the film for a few minutes, and, and, and most of the interactions, we just get a voiceover from him cursing her existence. So yeah. there's not a lot there to latch on to. Yeah, no, I would agree. There's like her fucking and then her like running away with the kid. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of want to switch gears here to the next movie. Is there anything else you want to say about this? Because I just think there's not much else to say. It's just not that good. Yeah, it's just not that it's not that thought provoking of a movie. It really is. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. If you do want to see a, a beautifully filmed film with a lot of unemotional, unengaging <laughs> sex, this is the movie for you. Yeah, and maybe that's your turn on. Enjoy. But I, I, I didn't love it. And it doesn't help that the main actor, the guy who plays Murphy, yeah. is bad. He is a bad oh, actor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He just looks like he's made of wood. Okay, so. So, yeah. Let's so, talk overall, about, so let's talk I felt about, that this movie was whack. Did not. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say it's whack. I'll say it's not for me, and I don't quite understand the appeal. Um, but I get the artistry of it, and I think, you know, I think it comes from a place that's just not as smart as he thinks it is. Right. But it, it looked nice. Yeah, but it, it was kind of good. a waste of time. I, I don't know. It's funny too because it made me think of like I couldn't imagine what it must have been like watching that in three D. Um, but I I did think of two three D movies that I've seen in the past. One being uh, Harakiri, which was uh, Mike's uh, samurai yep, movie yep. that came out at the same time as Thirteen Assassins came out. And uh, that was in 3D, and that's a wild story to tell in 3D because it's not exactly like a sword and like Chen Barra kind of movie. And then yeah. the other movie I thought of was Triple um, X: The Return of Xander Cage, and that movie in 3D Stop. was amazing. But anyway, I hate you. Okay, moving. Uh, let's let's jump to his new film, Climax. Now, you also didn't like this movie very much either. Uh, I will say that I thought that the visual appeal was far greater than that of Love. Sure. Uh, there was a lot of really interesting angles. All I could think of, though, was the fact that you appreciate improv dance troops. The whole time, I'm like, yo, Liam loves improv dance. But this is an improv dance. I know this it's is not, highly rehearsed dude, dance. Dude, I'm just saying that's all I could think of is oh the fact God. that you really love improv dance. Okay, so this film, for those of you who haven't seen it, and, and this is a newer movie, so... Uh, it's actually we'll let you... premiering today in Philadelphia theaters. Yeah, so we'll try to be light on spoilers, which means the discussion will be maybe a little bit shorter, but that's okay because we got stuff to do. Right. But uh, basically, the movie's broken into three parts. There's the first part, which is uh, a shot of a TV on which we're watching people's audition tapes and yeah. we're learning about their characters in those audition tapes. And we're also learning you... about Gaspar Noe because he has all these uh, books and uh, videotapes yeah. uh, that are surrounding the television on which we're watching the auditions. Yeah. On one side is horror movies, yeah, you know, like Suspiria's on there, yeah. And what what are the books? I thought I thought a lot of them were French philosophy, but I kind of don't remember. Yeah, now. I don't remember now. I just remember looking at the movie part and just being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think he's. I think it's it's. I think the framing is important because he's sort of showing you these are the things that's influencing him: the smart books on the left, the scary movies on the white. Yeah, and you and know what? He does the same thing in Love as well with the posters throughout that movie. Yep. Because like there's a, a poster for uh, Solo and there's a just a there's there's a bunch yeah. of movie poster referencing that happens in that movie in the background that's definitely supposed yeah. to be in the foreground of your mind as you're watching it. Yeah. yeah, and I know that this movie climax for him is actually sort of a big step because um, he 
you know, we think of the French and we think of them as people who are very open minded. But he's talked a lot about how he was pretty sheltered both from uh, the gay community and yeah. from uh, the black community in France. And that this movie came out of him going to balls, going to gay balls, yeah. uh, which in France was uh, both uh you know an lgbtq thing but could also be very racially diverse and really appreciating you know the ball culture and so this so as as i said it's in three sections first there's the 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 um the interviews audition the yeah. interviews that are basically like audition tapes then there's a dance sequence which is like the rehearsal of this dance troupe that we're about to be with and the dance sequence i will straight it's up bananas. say yeah it's crazy. it's one of the it's one of the best things of 2019 period yeah. just as far as like the skill it took to film that the skill it took to perform it and i'm sure he didn't choreograph it but whoever choreographed this mix of ballroom and traditional hip-hop and crumping Boging which by the crumping, way yeah I, I didn't know people still crumped i didn't think that was a thing people but i guess in france <laughs> crumping is still a thing things are so different cr- in france and europe man so there's voguing and crumping and all this stuff uh it's amazing it's then, really, really well filmed too. There's a lot of sequences that are filmed from overhead, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it just looks lush and frenetic, which is what you want in these dance sequences. You know what I mean? Like it looks like chaotic, but it's super well rehearsed, and you can definitely yeah. tell. So it's just gorgeous. And then, and then it transitions to the third sequence, and this is where you know Gaspar No. Yeah, is doing he's the thing. got he's back to his up old tricks. Yeah. Because he basically has the entire credit sequence in his weird style at this moment in the film, which is just past halfway through. Because the plot of the film is, after their dance rehearsal, they have a bit of a party, and someone has spiked the party with LSD. LSD, and they all go on a trip together, and it is... For most of them, a very bad trip. Yeah. A very bad trip. And apparently this is based off, loosely based off a news story. I don't think the details of what happened in the movie are, but uh, a dance troupe did do this and have a freak out and people got really hurt. So yeah. I think that inspired him to do this movie. Uh, and, and the movie basically transitions from this amazingly shot dance sequence and party into a nightmare of horrors. Yeah. Uh, a pregnant the, lady the, gets kicked in the stomach. A child gets locked oh, in the yeah. closet. Yeah, it's fucked yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes way off the rails in a way that you're like, oh, and now they're fucking. No, no, and now, no. I will say, I will say, as an edgeman, I assume this is what every LSD trip is like. <laughs> this is just a realistic representation of every druggie in the world, right? This is what all druggers, all druggers have this experience. I will say, this reminded me a lot of my. Uh, experience at comic-con 2018 just saying but uh <laughs> you know with a lot less of the the sexy dancing and or sure, <laughs> blood sure. or setting my hair on fire so you know yeah it's kind so of let's like that. let's let's start with you josh you've already said it's visually arresting oh it is what did you gorgeous. what did you think about it as a movie were you entertained did you enjoy it did you hate it what did you think about it uh was i inter- i don't think i liked it man it was one of those movies where it's like, okay, you're going to do the thing. And then it's like a one trick pony, right? Like there is no like character arcs or anything. You don't really know any of the people in the movie. They keep, there's a point where they, they're talking about each other in the movie and they're saying each other's names. And I don't know who the fuck they're talking about. Like, and, and you're with the dance troupe. You're watching them have conversations with each other. You're watching them dance together. And then like, there's a segment between part one and part, or between part two and part three, where they're talking about each other. And I'm like, yo, I don't know who any of these people are, and I don't really think I care. And then it devolves into the nightmare scene, 
And uh, I found that to be, again, visually arresting. And they, they had, the other thing about this movie is it's shot in very long takes, which I found to be very, I really love that. Yeah, and, I uh, agree. I thought that like it's it takes place in a school, like an abandoned school, from what I can tell, and uh, yeah. like just going through the corridors and and all that stuff. I thought that was really really cool. But again, it's like just like with Irreversible, Gaspar No uh, puts these things out that are meant to disorient. You know what I mean? That are intentionally meant to make the viewer feel like you're not really watching anything, um, but the experience of watching it is is what you're there for. And so there's like a lot of sequences where the camera's just swinging around and like it's dark and you can't really see anything happening, but you, you know what's happening. And then like people are getting beat up. It's, I just, it, it was too, I mean, okay, I get it. And I can understand the appeal of that, but also it's hard to watch by design. So it's by that third act, I was out all the way out. I just couldn't care. Yeah. 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 That's what happened. So overall, I did not enjoy the movie. So, a uh, friend of the show, uh, one of the people behind Yellow Veil Pictures, I guess, actually, uh, Joe Yannick, when he saw this movie, I think he, I don't know if he saw it at Berlin or he saw it at a film fest somewhere. He tweeted it or he posted on Facebook. Uh, Climax does everything that Suspiria wished it could do. Uh, if you like Suspiria and not Climax, you are a poser. Yeah, and I'm a poser. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm somewhere between the two of you. <laughs> I, I definitely disagree with Joe and think that actually Suspiria is a great movie. Uh, but but I understand what he's saying, which is that um, Climax does accomplish a kind of nightmare level that Suspiria doesn't quite get to. Uh, what it lacks, though, is the actual plotting of Suspiria. But I don't think I think you're right to say, like, well, I don't know. I, I mean, partly I think you don't know who these characters are because you hate French people. and You don't want to know their <laughs> names. But but I do think he he isn't getting too deep into the characters because because I think this is not a movie about characters. This is a movie kind of like when we talk about um when we talk about Jodorowsky films, this yeah. is an experience movie. You're supposed to experience the event, and he's trying to induce in you a feeling of something going on. Now, I felt like I had an idea of these characters more than than you did, but they all, for the most part, are caricatures. And I and I usually would say that as an insult, but I think that actually that's the point. You're seeing a bunch of types here, and what you're getting from this is the various. It's an opportunity for him to explore the horrors that humans can be to each other right after showing us the glory. I mean, that dance sequence is a clear representation of how wonderful people can be, of how amazing and beautiful. And how unified people can be in a singular goal of accomplishing this performance. Yeah. And And then all you need is one fucked up German to dose the punch and people are going to die. <laughs> and and that's really what happens is that you have an unsatisfied, untrustworthy German lady who definitely drugs everyone. Uh, uh, I guess that's a spoiler. I shouldn't have said that. My bad. Point is, uh, things go off the rails. And I think if you are someone for whom experiential cinema is very important and you're someone who doesn't get easily offended at unjustified pretension because that's what's going on with Gaspar now this is a pretentious movie this is a over-the-top pretentious movie but uh you know that doesn't bother me you know to me to me this is this is you know what this is like in a musical equivalent this is like a dragon force solo right if you hear dragon force and you think fuck these fucks with their fucking finger picking bullshit (laughs) 
if you feel the same way about film, you're not going to like Gaspar Noe. Yeah. But but that's what this is, and and I appreciate it for what it is. Now, is it going to be on my top ten of the year? No, I'm going to rewatch it because that dance sequence is amazing. But I'm going to stop after the dance sequence because I get it. There, it's a nightmare, and it goes off the rails, and everything that could go wrong does go wrong, and and we're shown that people are monsters, um, and that's a theme of his movies that people are monsters. Um, but you know what? That's not going to stick with me for the long term, really. Uh, I just appreciate it more than you. And you sort of highlighted this uh, earlier, but I want to I want to bring it back. This is not unrelated to your idea that you like joyful camp. Yeah. You like camp that is joyful. I think this movie is a kind of dark camp, and I prefer dark camp. <laughs> uh, I think camp that is joyful is occasionally good. For example, Cry Baby. But uh, hairspray, all of John yeah, Waters. Hair, Cereal. Hairspray. Yeah. Well, not all of John Waters, because I would put to you that if you don't like Dark Camp, you can't possibly like Polyester, one of the most depressing movies ever made. One yeah, of the darkest but... films in the canon is Polyester. It is and, dark for sure, but it. it's also there's a there's an under level of joy in there. Tab Hunter's in that movie. Yeah, there. I get it, you know. But also, it's like, dude, this is just here's the thing like what do you find to be redemptive about these movies other than the visual aspect of the storytelling of these two movies and of the entire oeuvre of gaspar no what do you find redemptive about his movies what where what is the takeaway that you get from his vocabulary that you're like oh yeah that's why i watch these things so uh as the as the listening audience may or may not know you know i went to seminary i uh was in basically jesus graduate school and I was still early on in my experience at Jesus Graduate School trying to figure out uh, what I was going to do, whether I was going to pursue a PhD or go into like social work or become a pastor. And, you know, pastor was very much still on the table. And I was in my second preaching class and I was giving my second sermon of that class. And afterwards, the the professor says says to me, I had to finish, and she said, you know, this was very well researched, very well written, very well delivered. It was really great. But I just got to say, I just don't know that it had the gospel in it. I just don't think the gospel was in that sermon. And <laughs> and as we all know, no gospel, no sermon. Whoa. And I just got to say, fuck that, and fuck <laughs> what you just said. I don't care if it's redemptive. I don't need a movie to be redemptive. I don't think art should always be redemptive. Now, is it true that some of my favorite pieces of art, books, movies, comic books, are redemptive? Sure, I'm a sentimental piece of shit, and I'm easily won over by sentimental bullshit like redemption. But guess what? Art doesn't have to be redemptive, and some of my favorite pieces of art are dark and fucked up and depressing, and that's why I love them. Uh, as 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 good friend T.C. Schillingford has said in the past, my f- the movies I love often do not love me back, and that is the way I want it. That being said... <laughs> Climax is not a great piece of art. <laughs> it is good. I I really enjoy it. And 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 but I will say, unlike you, the reason I don't think the movie actually finally hits is different than what you're saying, which is by the time it gets to be dark for you, it's predictable. And the darkness is like, of course it's dark. Of course it's, you know, depressing and and upsetting and whatever. But like, who cares? It doesn't mean anything, whatever. I'm actually in the other direction. It should have gone much darker. I mean, blood and guts and cannibalism. They should have eaten that child. Like, 
I I just feel like if 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 the entire point of your movie is that a bunch of people trapped someplace all high could Devolve. reveal hell yeah. could reveal hell on earth, then you better show me fucking hell. And the reality is there are, you know, watch Baskin, watch any number of gory horror movies. I get it that this is set in the real world, so it's trying to give you more of a real world horror and not be totally over the top. Yeah. And it's upsetting. It is emotionally upsetting. But it could be more emotionally upsetting. And that was my frustration with it a little bit. Also, I think the though he is a brilliant cinematographer, I think he's a brilliant visual storyteller in a lot of ways. In this film, he hits the same note too many times. Yeah. How many times are we going to show things upside down? Right. How many times are we going to make everything red? How it it just started to get a little bit predictable, not just in the events, but in the in the vocabulary of Gaspar Noah. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for me, that's not true in his other movies. I think Enter the Void is visually engaging the entire time. I'm not sure if I always care about the what's happening, but it's visually beautiful uh i i think that love a movie i did not find entertaining has more visual flourishes than this film uh but i mean that only after the dance sequence right i will still say that if the dance sequence was a separate short film of just them dancing that might be my favorite short film of this year yeah yeah the event sequence is, is amazing for sure it's it's brilliant yeah. i just think if you're gonna take us from that moment of ecstatic joy into the depths of despair really fucking don't pull any punches yeah, and i feel like in. and i feel like it doesn't quite get there it's good i again i liked it more way more than you did but i don't think it i liked is it way quite... more than love i'll say that much oh yeah yeah well again i just don't understand people who like love i just think it's bad yeah I just, I, I, not terrible but not for me this movie i think is mostly success, successful and i think if you're listening to this and you're someone who doesn't need a lot of story and would love to see something that's just fucked up, but also beautiful. You know, a lot of movies can do fucked up emotional brutality and not be visually captivating. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie is visually captivating and it's disturbing. I just think it could be a bit more disturbing. And again, that doesn't have to be gore. They don't actually have to eat the child, but something more intense or something more challenging could happen than just, you know, people are cruel. Yeah, I know people are cruel. I get it. I get it. You are a sick motherfucker. What? <laughs> I'm just saying. You thought that they should eat the kid. I get it. But also, that you said it, I'm like, yeah, damn, Liam is fucked up. Yo, I mean, <laughs> did you watch Hagasusa yet? Yes, you know, I did. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Spo- spoiler, guys, she eats her baby. Yeah. And that film earns it. That's the other thing, is that maybe they couldn't go any more intense because the movie hadn't earned that level of, of intensity. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe actually what I'm really saying is that the movie ramps up without enough weight to it, and it doesn't have the punch it could. I don't know. All I know <laughs> is that I liked it, but I didn't think it was amazing a lot of people are like freaking out about it and i don't understand yeah. the freak out it's just fine it's fine i don't i it's good i'll go so far as to say it's good and if you can see it in the theater i think it'd be worth seeing the theater. Yeah, i wish i had no, seen it sure. in the it theater definitely has the at home. big screen appeal for sure like the camera angles alone during the dance sequence are worth it yeah but so if you get to that third know. act in the big theater you might throw up just saying <laughs> 
Look, I was hoping that this, I mean, again, our original choices were Enter the Void, which I still think is great, and this movie. And maybe that would have helped win you over to Gaspar Noe a little bit more. But having watched Love, I'm not surprised that you're still like, Gaspar Noe sucks a little bit. Yeah, not my thing. Oh, well. Well, so, we'll see. I'm sure he'll put out another movie in two years, and then we'll return to this conversation. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll bring it back, and we'll talk about other Gaspar Noe movies. <laughs> But well, for now, that was not my favorite experience. Just saying. Well, so Josh gives it, uh, don't go see it. And I say, if it's playing near you and it sounds like something you would like, go see it. If you're someone who already knows you don't like Gaspar Noe, this movie's not going to change your mind. Yeah, it's, it's not going to bring you to the fold, man. It's cool. Just, yeah. uh, you know, I had to watch Ice Age after this just a little palate cleanser. Yeah, it was rough. Wow. It was rough. It really did not get under my skin that bad. <laughs> not like something like We Are the Flash or whatever, well, you know, like. Yeah. 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 I've also come to find that if Liam says, hey, man, whatever you do, don't watch this movie, I should listen to him. Don't watch it. Yeah, I tell you that a lot. All the time. And I'm always like, listen. oh, I guess that means let's watch it. And then I do. And then I'm like, Liam, why did you make me watch that movie? And then you have to be like, but Josh, I told you not to. And then I have to have that inner monologue where I'm like, he did say not to. He did say not to. Liam's one of your friends. You should trust him. <laughs> I do think we uh, we if we get better at planning out our episodes into the future, we'll do a few more episodes where I make Josh watch something and then he makes me watch something. Um, and I think that would actually be a fun thing to do to be like, you know, I'm going to pick two movies that I think are good that I think Josh is going to hate. And you could do the same for me. Yeah. Though don't don't pick La Bamba since I already watched it. I know. It. But uh, we see how La Bamba worked out for everybody. Pretty good. I think that's true. That's true. You're probably better at picking movies for me than I am for you. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, following all our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at Cinepunks, Instagram at Cinepunks, Facebook, Cinepunks, uh, all spelled with an X. You can check us out at Cinepunks.com where there's a lot of awesome writing, a bunch of other cool podcasts like Wine and Cheese and Tomb of Ideas and Black Sun Dispatches and yeah. uh, the flight stuff and horror business and all that <laughs> stuff. Awesome. A lot of stuff. Yeah. So good. And, uh, tell a friend about us that's that's really the only way we're going to grow and the only way that we find new people is if you share us on social media or talk to people in real life about us and why you like us and uh come on out march 18th if you're in the anywhere in the larger philadelphia area we're showing a movie called starfish at the rotunda it should be a lot of fun so the movie's fun. really good and director's the director's going to be, be in attendance for q a yeah. with uh justin lore of horror business it's going to be a fun night a night to remember please come out yeah, come out. Make us look good. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, subscribe on iTunes and all that junk. You can find us everywhere. And uh, we love you. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for supporting. Love you all. See you. Samokva.